Welcome, everybody, to the After Later podcast. My name is John Wessling. I'll be your host today and pretty much every other day until further notice. I mean, hell, you never know, man. I end up getting replaced on my own podcast. A lot of that going around lately. Uh, well, I welcome you all. Happy Sace de Mayo. That's uh, May 6th for those of you who know Ablo. Uh, hope you're all doing well. Staying uh, in the house. I'm going to really not uh, belabor the point here in the intro. We're going to get right down to it. Uh, I got a little bit of a longer uh, interview uh, lined up for today. So, you know, but uh, but I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, we are here in the Wesling house. Uh, kiddos doing their homework, eating some strawberries, laying low, being cool. In about uh, 25 to 30 or 35 minutes from from right now, for me, uh, the Blue Angels are going to fly over my house. Uh, we're right on the, the flight path as they do their ceremonial, whatever the hell they're doing, uh, flying over Houston, giving people, I don't know, I don't know. Hey, good job. Good job, I guess. It's for morale boost. Check out the Blue Angels. Uh, that's fun. That's fun. Everybody loves a, an air show, I suppose. Anyway, so yeah, we're going to, like everyone else, gonna run outside to go see the super loud jets flying over the house. That's going to be neat. Uh, that's the excitement I've got planned for the day. Uh, I got a big production meeting uh, with the Coast to Coast Roast people this afternoon to find out more about that. Uh, let's see what's going to go down with that. I'm very, very excited about the Coast to Coast Roast. For more information on that, I'm representing Team Houston, and you can go to heliumpresents.com. It's the Helium Comedy Club chain basically orchestrating and running this. And uh, many other comedy clubs have sort of um, uh, aligned and leagued up with them uh, for it. But go to heliumpresents.com to find out more about the Coast to Coast Roast. Um, yeah, pretty excited. Our first match is on Friday. We're on Friday. We go up against St. Louis, 7.30 Central. I guess that'd be 8.30 Eastern. I don't know where you are. Uh, Saturday, May 9th, we're up against Austin, Texas. That's at 9 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Eastern. And then next weekend, we have Indianapolis on Thursday and Dallas on Sunday. Those are big battles for, for the city of Houston. So anyway, you're going to find out about that. I'll, I've been talking to you about it. I'm going to talk to you more about it as we go. But right now, um, I uh, I feel like I needed to have an adult conversation with someone of uh, a little bit uh, more measured intelligence. So my guest today, a uh, very, very smart woman, a very, very smart lawyer. She's a sports writer. Um, a fan experience blogger, I guess is one way to put it. Um, I, I met her years ago when I was doing sports radio here in Houston, had her on as a guest and, uh, many different times and always had uh, enlightening and refreshing conversations. Uh, so I thought I'd be, uh, I'd be remiss not to have her on the after later show at this particular junction in time. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Steph Stradley. At least I think it is. Let's get her to double check. Uh, ma'am, welcome to the program. Uh, for the record, please state your name. Stephanie Stradley. Oh, excellent. Then we do have the right connection. I was afraid I got mixed up there. <laughs> I kid with you, Steph. Welcome to the show. It's a, a, an honor and treat to have you on the After Later podcast. I am glad to talk to you. I think the last time we talked, you were trying to get me to do an Andre Johnson impersonation after a game. Uh, yeah, it was that the, uh, the whooping up on Finnegan impression, I think, at some point? Something like that. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, for the listeners, uh, Steph Stradley, a, a bit of a, uh, what's a, a cultural icon here in the modern day of Houston, Texas. Nice. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, uh, uh, amazing lawyer, a writer, a sports, um, I don't even know the right term, sports, not just a, you know, like a 
sports. It's hard to describe what I do because yeah. I don't know anybody like me, I guess. That's good. That's good. You're, you're one of a kind. Yes. You, you stand alone in the category. That's, that's what you want in this ba- world. You I mean, wanna... the basic thing is I started off as just, hey, I'm a person that listens to sports talk radio. Uh, I was happy that we had a football team. I dressed like a crazy person for games because it was fun and entered contests and won contests. And then I got mad that I couldn't read good things about my team that I was interested in reading. So I'm like, well, crap, I can write this. And so I did. And then the rest is history. The rest is history. You know, and I've, I've suggested that to other people that are trying to find a way to to, to break through into in, into the media in any way, I'm like, well, have you tried covering yourself in sequins? Because <laughs> no. I've seen that work. <laughs> no, That's, that is not the way. And you know, what's funny about it is, is you know, I'm kind of neither feast nor foul because now the Texans don't treat me like you know, like one of those fans. But at the same time, media folks don't treat me as media folks because I am clearly a fan. Like. Fan bloggers have kind of like a weird mix, but I'm not like a normal fan. Like a lot of people who write blogs are like, oh, you're one of those dress up as a crazy person things. And I'm like, I'm just in this for the fun. I can tell you for a fact, if you dress up like a crazy person during a sporting event, you will have a lot of fun. And I'm all about the fun. Like that's what it's about. You know, And that's a great way for the cameras will find you too. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is I don't like the cameras, actually. Like, that really? bit I don't really dig. Um, and, and nowadays, it, it's not that way, because in the early days, nobody did it. And now I'm actually happier that more people do, because then it's like, it's more like a normal sporting event. Like, you go to a black tie event, you wear a black mm-hmm. tie. You go to a sporting event, you shouldn't just be wearing, like, a golf shirt. No, no, that's what the the, the corporate douches and the uh, sweets do. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's just fun. Like, have fun. Don't hurt yourself or other people very much. And that I do. That's the philosophy. That's a solid philosophy, and that's uh, if if you're not enjoying sports, if you're not being entertained by it, then what was the point of it in the first place? Well, yeah, right? and, and sports is supposed to be fun. I think sometimes people forget that part. You know, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be fun. It's not like, you know, you know, rocket science stuff. It's I think about fun. that a lot. It's supposed to be fun. It's entertainment. It's 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 nothing but entertainment, right? I mean it's it's there to entertain the masses. It's there to entertain the people. Sports doesn't exist in uh, on its own volition. There's no there's no intrinsic value to being able to throw a football or catch a football the way you can, unless people are watching it and entertained by it. That's what creates the the importance of it. And to go and to be stuffy. And I, I saw this for, as a sports talk radio host for a while. There's some people that just it, it's so over the top and serious that they kind of lose the fun of it. Like it's supposed to be fun and entertaining. And yeah, and also. In my mind, it shouldn't be dehumanizing. You know, like, like you know this from covering it. You know, people who are sports people, you know, who are athletes, they're people. They have issues. They have lives. And, I, you know, I just didn't like the whole tenor of, you know, this guy's a bum, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. These people are people with families and whatever. And you can talk about it without being just mean. Like, why yeah. do you have to be mean? I don't like, no, I just don't. 
Well, that's that toxic masculinity of sports talk and sports culture, at least on the um, oh, on the broadcasting or the the sports talk side of it, is that it's 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 turned into some sort of just macho sport, and you know the average dude driving around in his F three fifty who's talking about you know the game and upset about it, and this guy is horribly out of shape with gout and, <laughs> and diabetes, but yet he's going to go off about world class athletes not having heart. They're just a bunch of softies. And, and so there's like this weird, I don't know, it's, it's hyper aggressive macho shit that just sort of doesn't play. It doesn't, well, it doesn't I, add up. I, I think part of, I, you know, there was a time when I was writing for the Chronicle where I had to approve every single message or every single comment that came into the blog. Oh, the horror. Which was quite the sociology experiment. And I kind of realized through the whole process of it is that people's commentary on sports usually reflects more about them than it does about the person that they're talking about. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. It's like just holding up a mirror, basically. And and I, I'm amazed that you went through that experience of being of, of uh, uh, modding the the uh, comments. Because usually if you do that, you don't come back. You realize what your audience is and you're like, nope, nope, you know, I'm I, no longer working for these people. I actually had a great experience from it in that, you know, my first interaction with that kind of an environment was back in the day, the only place that you could find good sports, like detailed sports information was message boards. And mm-hmm. I started doing stuff as a volunteer message board moderator on the um like official houston texans website and when when you do that you realize that a lot of the people that do trolling behaviors there's reasons why they do that and that if you talk to them as an individual and as a person they can snap out of it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's almost like Oh man, what is it? It's like uh, in wrestling. I guess they call it the kayfabe, yeah. right? They, they 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 put on the they they think that that's part of their sports personality. Is is I'm not just uh, you know Dave who works you know at uh, at Exxon. No, when I talk in the blogs, I'm the bulldozer, and I'm supposed to have hot takes. You know what I mean? And I'm I I shout at everybody and oh like it's their own. It's their own way to kind of be on the team in a way. Well, and also the whole idea that sometimes if you treat people respectfully, they treat you that way back. I mean, that's just human nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, for me personally, I just find it less hypocritical and better for my soul to just treat people the way I would treat them if I saw them at a tailgate or a party or whatever, like just like as yeah. a human being, because otherwise everything is dehumanizing. And that's just, that's just not a fun place to live, like fun place to yeah. be. Like if you are a jerk to people all the time, you're going to get that in return. And it's just, that's exhausting. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And I got, I've always had an idea and I get your take on this because I think it's kind of what you're talking about. Um, now you're on social media as yourself, yes. as your actual self, right? And me too, because as a comic and a sometimes broadcaster, I'm pushing myself. It's, it's, I'm not hiding. I'm not, you know, Goofy John sixteen sixteen. That's not my. I, you know, I'm, I'm my handle is my actual identity, yeah. and I think it's the same thing where 
where people who have sort of that that veil of anonymity on social media it it brings out the worst in them they they don't act in a way that they normally would in polite society so my my goal or not my goal my my i guess what i'm proposing is i think all accounts should be verified now, see the, where the, everyone has to go by their real name and be able to be findable because that would change the discourse instantly yes and no i can tell you first of all the veil is an illusion like if you put stuff online <laughs> that is bad enough the man will find you right oh yeah oh absolutely and, and i have to say that when i first started doing this like this like writing for the chronicle i guess that was 2006 when I first originally was going to do it, I said, well, can I just do a pen name? Because I didn't want it to be about me. And I was, frankly, at that time, fairly scared about like, ooh, there's a bunch of strangers <laughs> who would know who I am and might not like what I have to say. Which, you know, if you don't like what I have to say about stuff, then you're pretty weak. Because it's not like I'm being particularly, you know, over the top on stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're not like Rachel Maddow of sports. No. You're just being chill and fun. Yeah, yeah, chill and fun. That's my vibe. And so, and and I realized that. And they go, you know, this is this is journalism. We don't do pen names, blah blah blah. And and I'm like, okay, fine, I will do this because I I just didn't want it to be like I didn't want this to be all about me and blah blah blah. And but it turned out I am really happy that they went that way. Because, you know, generally people have been pretty cool. And though I've had a couple of uncool situations happen with people, you know, it's actually been fun meeting people with my real name and interacting with people with my real name since I've been doing this stuff. I mean, it's not all awesome. You know, sometimes there's been people yeah. that are kind of jerks, but that's been more about them than anything about me. And I would say at least my interactions with people most of them have been pretty cool. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, it's just the law of large numbers. I mean, you're in a, a an area, a market of about 6 million people, give or yeah. take. Um, you know, even something that's one in a million, there's going to be four to six of them here in this town. You know, so, frankly, the worst interactions I had, and it's not so much this anymore, were with media members who didn't like that I was going into their area. Oh, I can see that. I got that a lot too when I was starting in sports talk and I was the the comic that they brought yeah, in. Yeah, and and they get all fussy about yeah, it. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, we're, you know, doing surgery or something. <laughs> you know? Well, that's really what it is. You're threatening I mean, they, they you're you're threatening what they do and making it look like, you know, I how do I put this? Um so many of the the sports writer media types, they act like it's some sort of hallowed super serious you know, intensely, you have to be intensely qualified and educated and, oh, no one else can do this. No one understands sport the way I do. And then they can randomly pick someone off the street and get a completely uh, valid uh, perspective out of them as well. So they, they're they defending their, their guild. Although here. I have they, to, the, the flip side of that is, and something that I, I, I wish I could articulate better, you know, the media isn't a monolith. There are a bunch of different individuals. And I have to say, as someone who was not trained as a journalist, but then has done journalistic things, I have a great deal of respect for it. Like, it's very difficult, for example, to ask questions of athletes and coaches and get good answers from them. 
it's really hard to put a very well reported you know article together like that's not something mm-hmm. easy to do but you know i think it's like anything you know there's good and bad journalists and lawyers and comedians and everything we're just we're just people we're just people mm-hmm. and i have to say there have been incredibly helpful and and great people that have helped me on the journalistic side but there were just a few people that had their own issues and then there's also you know there's also the the picking fight aspects that some people do on twitter where you know if they are jacking with you and they're picking a fight with you they're doing it because they you know they want attention they want negative attention i don't yeah. like giving people negative attention i would rather uplift the people that are doing cool things and ignore like it's like <laughs> parenting toddlers I was thinking the same thing when you were talking about it. it uh, being a parent has helped me kind of uh, navigate those that want to troll for negative attention. Where I'm like, oh, I know this yes. move. My kids do yes. this. Okay, watch this. Here's how you handle negative attention. You starve it. Yeah, and then the, the flip side is one of the things, like, I, I wrote for uh, AOL, like, early early on. And I, I worked with bloggers all Oh, nice all over the country and I was I think I have a couple of their CDs for a couple of hundred hours uh, still available I don't know if I can cash those in I I worked for Fan House which was like the preliminary yeah I remember yeah that that was before you know Bleacher Report and and all that and there were some really good writers like now the writers are at every website that you know that you like and yeah. What I learned from them, and especially in the D.C. area, the D.C. bloggers, I really liked what they were doing. And what was great about it is they realized that the, the appetite for good information is nearly infinite and that it's not really a competition. It's more let's uplift each other. And so I was like, I love this attitude. And so that's the attitude that I want and I've been pushing since I've been you know, semi-public figure is, hey, there's a lot of good voices out there. Let's uplift the good. Let's like let people see all the cool stuff that's out there and kind of blow off, you know, like Take Man. I mean, I'm not interested in yeah. Take Man. If I wanted to see Take Man, you know, I'd go to a bar and listen to the drunk guy at the end of the bar. I don't, I'm not interested in Take Man. I'm, I'm more interested in it's like, okay, what information makes watching this sporting event more cool? That's a, that's a really solid attitude to have Steph. That's that's a very mature, smart, balanced, peaceful attitude to have. And I wish more people had it, you know, and it's one of the things I like about uh, uh, podcasting. Podcasting is very much that blogger vibe of pass the ball, share the spotlight because it helps everybody. You know what I mean? You, you, you co-promote, you side promote, you do all that stuff. And, and, and you wind up sort of creating a a family hive, yep. right? Of of here's here's the people who aren't exactly like me, but I like them and they like me. And here's a, so you kind of you curate essentially an aisle at the media store of here's the here, here's here's my family tree of people I dig and and work with and and can vouch well, and, for. And it's such a specialized world. Like I, I think one of the reasons why my work resonated is for a long time. I was the only person that they knew that knew anything about the Texans. 
because when I started, like, who wants to be writing about a team that has never been successful and won two things? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. but then, like, you know, over time, when me when the internet made things easier to you know talk with each other and stuff, all sorts of subspecialties. You know, there's the, you know the quants and the fantasy football people, <laughs> yeah. and then the very specific fantasy football people and the oh, yeah. cap guys. But that doesn't just apply to sports or podcasting or whatever. <laughs> That's just life. Like, you know, yeah. in, in whatever business that you have, a lot of it, it doesn't have to be competition. That if, you know, like in Houston in general or Texas in general, like we just need to uplift each other up because that that's just the more fun way to be. Well, when you're dealing in, in people's entertainment in their diversionary hours, why get so serious about something that's supposed to be fun and light, exactly. right? You know what I mean? It's, I, you know, it, a side thing just, just reminded me about it. Um, like when you're talking about the football, like the, all the quants and the cap guys and the, the people that do all the hyper analysis. It's so funny as a consumer of it, I get bored to death of that when it comes to football. Or even basketball. Yeah. But I love the nerd out stuff when it comes to baseball. You know what I mean? Like, to, to me, it's it's so weird how, like, I guess because it doesn't affect my enjoyment of watching football. Like, when I watch football, I'm not caring about three-cone drill times and responses and, and, and their, you know, how high their vert is. And I'm not breaking down the sports science of, you know, how he has the matchup advantage because he can high point the ball better, blah, 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 blah. I just watch it for the, the excitement of, of the plays either happening or not happening. Same thing with basketball. Like with basketball, to me, it's, it's, it's a lot of like, it's all about man on man matchups and the, the story yeah. of what's going on. You know what I mean? That's, I'm not, I'm not bugging on, oh, well, that's a low percentage shot and he should have passed it. Well, it, it doesn't interest me. That doesn't, that's not what I get going about. But in baseball, I love it. I love the whole money ball game behind the game, the real game that's happening. And, and I don't know why that it appeals to me in that one sport, well, I, but absolutely not in I, the I others. Part of that might be that, you know, baseball was like one of the first sports to really get into that because a lot of it is easier to kind of individualize and it took the other yeah. sports a little bit more time to figure out how they can do that. And you know, yeah, because they don't generate data the same way that baseball but, does. I mean, the basketball play is more fluid it's movement football too i guess i, no, I no, guess I, I you know think, what i mean well, there's especially a... now i mean the you know the data that they have now is so much better because individually you know they're all being you know monitored so you can real time see somebody mm -hmm. slowing down yeah no absolutely and, and it's crazy too how now like you know it used to be with with baseball stats were kept by a scorer or a couple of little assistants someone who's sitting there and writing down everything that happened and there's there was a little bit of room wiggle room for interpretation on things but now i mean it's basically just uh monitored by ai like at the end of a baseball game there's a data spit out of everything that actually happened cold no no fan uh human element to it whatsoever it's just like here's the graph of the speeds of the pitches here's the location heat map i mean it's just it's all done it's all done and verifiable and and well, arguable the, the next step and the step that the best teams are doing and and this is why i i love it as it relates to all the sports is you have all this 
information. Some of the information is noise and some of it is definitely not noise. And the smartest teams are the ones that go, okay, this is the important information and this is how we leverage it. And I love, I, I mean, I mean, I just love the strategy involved with all of that, but I can also understand why people would go, okay, just give me the takeaway. Yeah. 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 I guess it's because it doesn't translate. Like for, for, for me as a, cause I came into to sports media stuff with basically a fan perspective, talking about how I enjoy consuming sure. the product, right? And I never really position myself as, and I think a lot of them do, as I am the supreme expert of all. Yeah. You know, they all become the great and powerful Oz who knows all sports and has amazing takes, and these are my predictions. And, you know, to me, it was just more about, here's kind of how I feel about it. Here's what I'm thinking. This is what I'm hoping to see. So it was a lot more, more like kind of fan based. So I could talk about football because I really like football. I feel like I have an eye for it. I can, I can see, I can just sort of naturally look at two teams and matchups and see, see what's going to happen or or what could happen. Right. Um, uh, Same thing with baseball, baseball. I I have the eye of a scout when it comes to baseball. I can, I can see it. Uh, Basketball. However, I, I have no natural eye for basketball. (laughs) <laughs> whatsoever i mean none to me it's just dudes running around in a gym it's exciting a good game especially in person okay. you know i mean like there's never a there's never a better sports vibe than being a student in high school or college at a game yeah. that is a party that's a party it's a vibe when your team gets hot and they're lighting it up woo, yeah. it's a ball but like to, to with a critical eye like a sports writer to be able to watch it and see what's happening. I just don't have it. I can't tell the difference between a good shot and a bad shot until it either goes in or doesn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like other guys can, oh, look, his arc is off and he's, he's, his balance is poor. Look, he's flying forward. I'm like, I'm glad you saw that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. Think, I don't, yeah, I, I think, don't pick that up. My, my role on this, this kind of stuff is like, I, I'm always just trying to find out what the real, real situation is like you know there's some fans that are like oh you know just tell me all the good stuff and i get that because i like the good stuff my my thought is is you know all of us can't take in all the information in the world because our brains would explode we naturally have filters to our brains and Mm -hmm. one of my filters is i pay a lot of attention to the houston texans now i pay a lot of attention to all of the sports teams but football is my jam i just well and also i just i just remember how crappy it was that we didn't have football for a while that was (laughs) yeah that's that suck was so bad so so bad the late 90s were a were a dark dark time for the football and so like so i'm just trying to filter things and explain things like I'm, I'm pretty good at explaining. Like that's one of the things I do for my actual job. Um, but it's also mm-hmm. nice to do for football. Like I have all sorts of friends that go, look, I like football. I'm not really paying really close attention to, to it. Could you just tell me the things that will make it more enjoyable for me to watch this game? <laughs> that's right. You like, top yes, line that yes. for me. And sometimes Sometimes you can give them information so that they can go back to their friends and feel like the smart guy in their group of friends. So I'm just. Oh, I felt like that. I felt like that a lot. With with sports talk, it's basically you're just loading up the average guy with with some conversation starter and filler 
for when they have their conversations. Well, and, and the thing that's kind of fun about sports is it's one of the very few things in life where you can show outrageous emotion in an appropriate way. Like, cause we don't <laughs> yeah. really have that. Like, Oh, I, I helped draft a contract. Woo. Like, no, no you, don't do that. <laughs> you, you couldn't in a trial after getting someone acquitted, do like the soccer goal slide on your I, knees and pound on the chest and point up to the sky. I you know, would, you couldn't, do that. <laughs> you can't like do that. I would opener music though. When I walk into a courtroom, that would be fun. <laughs> that would be cool like the old uh, the, the one the, the bulls used to use that that'd be cool and now from harvard law or the whatever. university of texas <laughs> school of law that's nice it'd be like uh, at five foot ten <laughs> from the university of texas school of law summa cum laude it's... i am five ten <laughs> if i'm wearing my trial heels well, I mean, you would be if you're walking into court. That would be, that would be the appropriate. Now, I'm talking to Steph Stradley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, you can find her on Twitter at Steph Stradley. That's Steph with a PH, yes. the proper way to spell it, right? I guess. Yeah, you wouldn't throw an F in there. Or Stephanie with an F is, I think, uh, German or Swiss or something like that. But uh, yeah, one of those. Uh, Steph Stradley with a PH. Uh, a lot of links to a lot of your different writings, a lot of your different works. Hey, Steph, are, are, do you have time to do another segment with me? I'd love to talk to you about some other I stuff would if love you're available. To. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. Oh, stop it, Steph. You don't need to butter me up. You already got the job, okay? <laughs> now, when we when we come back, I want to talk to you about uh, kind of how you're dealing with uh, all of, as I say, all of this shit going on and uh, how, you, how you're digging That's the home awesome. life. Is that cool with you? Excellent. We'll be right back with more Steph Stradley right after this. Welcome back to the After Later podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, John Wessling. It's a treat to have you on the program. Today, my guest, uh, Houston Sports Writing Law Emissary. I'm not, I, I, we got to yeah. really boil that down. But anyway, it's Steph Stradley, ladies and Steph Stradley. Yeah, we need, a, we need a hot sentence on how you oh, describe geez. yourself. I don't know. Um... You know what I mean? But that doesn't sound corny like uh, yeah, sports uh, maven. Enthusiastic Houstonian. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, notable sports enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sound. That doesn't have the, the proper flow to it. We'll work on it. We'll workshop it and All maybe right. I'll, I'll tweet okay, it at yeah, you later. Maybe we need to, to figure this out. Now, Steph, I got to ask you, you also live here in the greater Houston yes. Metroplex area. Yes. Well, I shouldn't say Metroplex. That, that yeah. implies DFW. What's the Houston? Uh, the greater the Houston, Houston whatnot. I guess, it's, yeah, they just call it the yes. greater Houston area. Like it's a country. And it really is. Um, how have you been observing social distancing guidelines and stay-at-home orders? I don't want to assume that you're hunkered down like you're supposed to be. Maybe you're one of those Antima freedom fighters out there rallying for your rights to be in the street and uh, get a haircut. I don't know. How are you, how, uh, where were you coming down on that issue? Well, you, you know, hiding in the house? I had an interesting start to hunkering down because um, before all of this really hit the fan, I went on a very rare trip with a bunch of my, my girlfriends to Colorado. And it just happened to be a hot spot. But at the moment that I was there, I didn't know it was a hot spot. And so... I come home yeah. 
uh, I'm buying groceries, nee, 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 nee. And then um, within about a week of me coming home, I got really, really sick. And then my husband Uh-oh. got really, really sick. And, you know, at the moment, we were pretty sure we had it. But then, like, we were having symptoms. And then the media would come out. It's like, loss of taste and smell is a symptom of it's like yes of course it is that's what we have so so in the oh my goodness pretty much the whole month of march we didn't go anywhere um and wow so did you did you did you have it did you have the rona at the time that we had the rona we didn't meet the testing criteria because there weren't many tests uh and you know yeah right yeah, but yet they're still yeah. testing pets. I see like a, a pug in, in a Virginia tested positive. Like who the hell is testing a pug or a tiger at the zoo, but yeah, not human well, beings and, first? No, I'm sorry, so, I didn't mean like, to jump on that. Point, that bothered me. Um, uh, the husband and I are both kind of waitlisted by the Red Cross to get the antibody test so that we can donate convalescent plasma to maybe help people that have it. And so we, we got an email saying as soon as they have the test that they feel good about for the antibody test, they'll give us a call. So, so but like, oh, you know, wow. if you get the antibody test, you can't assume, you know, that you're protected or whatever. And, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't, shouldn't go out as though, you know, you're bulletproof anyway, just because it's bad. So, yeah, exactly. And you you could still you could still be spreading it. You yeah. yeah you you feel good. You're fine. So you're out there, bopping like Leo Di- Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, wee hoo, coughing on people. Yeah, and then mean, they're this, the ones getting this sick. This whole situation is just <coughs> hard to wrap your brain around. Like I I talked to my mother in law about it, who's totally a cool mother in law, and I said I said, well, can That's you think cool. of anything in your life that was like this? And she was from a small town in West Texas, and she goes, oh yeah, this is this feels a little bit like when, when there was polio, when I was a kid and they shut everything down Mm -hmm. except for, for churches. Uh, And she was talking about how like the neighbor kid across the street from her got paralyzed for life. I mean, so, I mean, my God, you know, there's challenges at every point in, in human history. If, if my challenge is to get better staying at my house, I can do it now. I, but the hard, the hard thing about this is, you know, we're all in the same situation, but we're all differently situated. Mm. And I can tell you, oh, absolutely. Like, I, you know, I'm doing all right, but you know, I have incoming bills, and I understand that whole dynamic. And I can tell you, the end of the month has to be just horrifying for people that have Mm -hmm. to pay their rent and their bills, and that's. You know, like when people are like, oh, well, you know, the Texans or this, that and the other thing. I'm like, I at this point, it's really hard to care about a lot of that stuff when you're just worried about your neighbors. And like my mom's in an assisted living place. So like, oh, like no. when people are just kind of glib about a lot of this stuff. It's like, oh, you want to kill my mom? OK, cool. You know, it's really hard. It's yeah, right. Hard it feels that way a little bit it's hard to know how to feel about a lot of this stuff. And I don't, it's not good to feel angry because that just eats you up in the side. So, you know, 
this point, I just kind of go oh. like, I'm going to control what I can control. I'm going to help in the ways that I can help. And, you know, I, you know, I tell my, my kids like, oh yeah, you know, the future, the, the kids that are taking AP history, they're going to be reading about you and you're going to, you're going to mm-hmm. tell your kids, yeah. okay, this is what I did and this is what happened. And, you know, and, you know, are you going to be proud about the way that you conducted yourself during this time? But, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Like what we're facing as a society is, is the worst case of everything you do is a bad choice. There have a selection, like here's your selection of all the bad choices. Choose three, you know, like it's not these, these things aren't easy. Now I wish that some people would not, would be more careful with the language that they use. Like it, well, I mean, just how so like, like I'm a lawyer, you know, we've already talked about that, but like when you talk to people Mm. about things, the way that you express things in a time of crisis is as important as what you're saying, you know? And, and I think, and I think just as a society, as individuals, we need to be more careful about how we express things because, and, 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 and telling a comedian that is kind of hard because y'all will just go off, but you know, for you guys, it's more time and place. It's time and place. That's smart though. has, has a role in their society, but like, you know, the way that you would communicate as a comedian is different. You would hope as, you know, a politician would communicate or a medical you know, professional would communicate. So I, you know, some people, I just kind of say, you know, I really, at this moment, wish you were not using words. Yeah. You know, you've kind of encapsulated perfectly what I've been going through is that ups and downs and, you know, and just trying to focus on being helpful and not getting angry. Like to me, that's real bad. Like I've had little flare ups where I'm just so pissed off at everyone and everything about the way they're handling it that I just have to kind of shut down. Like I'm going to go shut down and go walk around my yard and, and worry about plants and, and, and just not think about it. And that's been tough. It's been real tough. And I feel like more than anything, it's been disappointment. You know I mean? I feel, I feel let down a lot about how, how do I put this? That our, that so much of our society and the people in our, in our, in our environment are acting like petulant but, idiot but, children, but... like just kind of spoiled brats. It's like they're abdicating any sort of responsibility in the name of reckless freedoms. And it's like, it's, it's a bad, it's a bad look. It's like, it's the lightest sacrifice well, you could no, ever but... be asked to do. I mean, obviously there's financial problems, but if it's well, just but... stay home to save I mean, thousands of lives. The hardest thing for me is just the whole grace involving this you know that you give yourself grace and you give others grace and you know I think that part of part of the way that people react to what's going on is is just their specific situation like okay like like you know I have a hair salon I have investments you know what am I supposed to do during this time? Mm-hmm. I applied for a PPP loan and 
I'm just waiting and I'm waiting. Like I, you know, yeah. You know, the, the people's reaction. And then part of it is, you know, there's pockets of seeing things, you know, if you're in New York, you likely know people that have been specifically affected. If you're oh, in yeah. Houston, you may know those people or you may not. And so you're like, you mean I am losing right. everything I've worked for for my entire life for something that I can't see? And and then right. I think some of it is some of it is messaging, you know, just how things are expressed to other people and whether it acknowledges the rightful fears that people do have because everybody has rightful fears. You know, mm-hmm. if you're afraid that you can't make rent, you rightfully fear that you're going to be out of the street. So, I'm yeah. And then, and then that's even worse. If, if I'm not supposed to go outside because it's dangerous with a virus out there, well, now I'm going to be yeah. homeless. Yeah, now, where am I going to go? Out there into the so, street I where mean, it's deadly? Ah. I, I get it. And then I also get that. You know, a lot of these people that you get angry at, if you had a one-on-one conversation with them, you could probably get to a place where you're cool with that person. But un- and unfortunately, oh, absolutely. You know, there are there are things in place that there are people in the world through the kind of culture war framing of the world that want to make people angry. And any and my thought with that is anytime that people are trying to make you angry, you should grab your wallet because they're trying to get something from you. Whether that's the truth right there. Whether that's it's sage or clicks or or you know votes or whatever. Like if somebody's trying to affirmatively make you angry, wonder what it's about. So for me, I don't I don't like to look at the, the world from a culture, like a culture war perspective, because frankly, I don't agree with lots of people, no matter what their side is. Like yeah. The side world view of reality is wrong. It's just wrong. Because if you talk to people as individuals, you can find out what their fears are, what their knowledge base is. And at some point, I think the best approach is find where we agree and then work out from there. And I do that with everything. Like that's, that's what I do with like sports writing. It's like, okay, what can we agree on? Like, what is, what is tangible? Because, you know, in a sporting event, you know, thousands of people watch a sporting event and there's a thousand different views of that sporting event based on what their understanding of things is and what their own biases are. And I mean bias, not in the, you're biased, but more just everybody has biases. Well, yeah, everyone does. It's not even a, yeah, it's not a, yeah. Like oh, I mean, you're, you're the lawyer. You understand what I'm saying. It's like, there's like, like even eyewitness well, testimony just, is, well, is biased. biased. No one if you is unreliable as a descriptive word and not a pejorative word biases. Like, you know, I don't like broccoli, you know, I'm biased against broccoli. Like everybody mm-hmm. has certain biases when they engage with the world and for most people you can find you can find places where you agree 
And, and I think ultimately in our society, you need to figure out, okay, what can we agree on? For example, if you are a person that wants to do like more opening of the, the economy and do it in a safer way, um, people are only going to do things if they feel safer. And part of that might be mask wearing, you know, that it's not a hundred percent safe, but if people are wearing masks, they may be more likely to engage in the world. That's true. And it may not be a hundred percent safe, but if everyone's wearing a mask, it's at least 70% safe. That's way better than just raw dogging it out there with your face. Some of the issues with masking is, you know, like I, I used to take care of my sister who had no immune system because she had leukemia. And for a while there, like when I visited her in the hospital, I had to gown up all the way, like, you know, booties and the whole gown and mask. And it's not, it's not a comfortable way to engage in the world, but we're not being asked to do that. And there are ways of, you know, some people, feel weird walking around in a mask. And one thing that you can do to make people feel comfortable is find better ways. Like, like one of the things that I love wearing mask wise is like, do you know what a buff is? It's like neck gator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like the survivor buff USA website has Mm -hmm. basic masks that you wear around your neck. Like I, I use them for hiking and like if I'm blowing stuff in my yard Mm -hmm. and you wear it around your neck all right. Out of respect, Steph, I'm going to let that one go. But you know, as a comic, I almost spit my coffee out. But continue, continue. You know, you Don't know, show up your picture. Come on, keep moving. I'm very cognizant of avoiding <laughs> things like that because I know how I know how the world is. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in any event, in any event, like with the neck gator, <laughs> if you need extra protection, like when I'm going to the grocery store, I'll double it up, put it over my face. It's like after a while, you don't even realize mm-hmm. it's there. And actually, I'm always cold in grocery stores. So for the first time ever, I'm not cold in a grocery store. And if you just, if you're just wearing it and just kind of be respectful of other people, then you only kind of like do single layer of cloth. But like, but like some yeah. people no, aren't <laughs> wearing masks because they feel uncomfortable with it. Like my mom, uh, she is in the old folks' home and. She's real uncomfortable with masks. Now, part of it is that she has some mobility issues that would make it difficult to put one on. Then how do I get around that? Well, I figure out a way to make it more comfortable for her. So like what you do is you, you meet people for where they are and, you know, it can be hard because, you know, we don't have, we don't have uniform understandings of the world because some of the best information is behind a paywall so i've been meaning to talk to you about that because that's one thing that that i feel like we've kind of lost our cornerstone a little bit in society now is that uh and and i guess you talked about that side-based kind of thing where now people can cherry pick and shop for the news or information or research that confirms what they've been and they told. don't necessarily realize so, that that's and then, what they're doing. So you'll Oh no, exactly. It's they have a willful blindness to the fact that even that has been been manipulated and perpetrated upon them. You know, it's and it's like uh so you'll have two people on opposite sides of 
and I'm trying to be vague about it on purpose, but on, on, on any sort of source, right, or, or any sort of a, um, uh, a topic. And they'll both cite different sites and different, you know, stats and everything else. And then not like a classic debate where then, okay, well, that was a good one. That was a winning stat. I can't argue with that. I have to, they just basically go, well, check your sources, do your research. That one, you know, the, the people you're citing are clearly biased. So it's like, we, it's, it's really let the air out of the balloon of that. You, where now nothing, if you can't trust any source, then nothing is real because even the ones that are trusted and right are, you you can just easily, when you are, are confronted with a stat or uh, a fact that you don't like, you can just question well, and, the source and, and no, throw it out. No so there's really side has a monopoly on that. I mean, there, I think part of it is good journalism costs money and money tends not to flow to areas that aren't profit centers. And, you know, the people, some of the people that have bought journalistic enterprises have saddled them with so much debt that they can't be profitable. Um, and there's all sorts of different models for having journalism. Like there's the subscription model, there's the support model, there's the ad model. Um, but, you know, none of them, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was something that struck me early on because, you know, frankly, you know, I started writing for the Chronicle partially because I love sports writing. I wanted to support my local paper, you know, but, you know, people who are not journalists coming into journalistic things, are they undermining journalists by providing, you know, providing that information like that? That is something that hmm. that struck me. And, you know, when I first started writing for Fan House, and, and some places are still like that, they would pay you more if the thing that you wrote got more engagement. And, you know... Of course, yeah. I felt really uncomfortable with that. Um, and, and that forces you to be more, you know... Um, yeah outlandish yeah. to be more provocative right because you're just trying to stir yeah, and, up and you're trying to stir up clicks and the the but the flip side of that is when you're writing something to an audience that is news you should be engaging but where is the line and you know it's really you know my ultimate view on any of that has been well you know this is my name out in the world and I never want to write anything that I I feel bad about like that. I, that I'm ashamed of writing, but not everybody feels that way or, but I'm in a position where I don't have to do that. Like I don't have to do journalism. I have options. Some people don't have options. Some people need the bonuses that you get from getting extra engagement, but writing is supposed to be engaging. Um, I kind of like kind of the meta, the meta view of the world, which understands kind of the limitations of the journalistic enterprise that, you know, you're not going to be a hundred percent right. Um, but you should try, like, you know, if you're trying to, if you're trying to get information from people that don't want to give you information, that's a hard thing to do and to do it in a timely way. Well, I know that a lot of times when you're 
when you're writing like yeah. news, like news-based journalism, right? Um, it's not necessarily this is 100% the accurate fact, but yes. it's more here's what we know now, and this is subject to change as further uh, information comes in or develops. Stand by for updates. So it's not like you're making a declarative statement that this is the absolute fact. It's just sort of, it's almost the, the actual meaning of news. Well, this is going on right now the, as we know it. Yeah, even in the And we'll change area, it later. Like, I've never said, you know, you know, this is how this is. I'm usually from the perspective of, here's my working theory of what things are based on the information that we have today. You know, and and, you know, if you have other information about this working theory, I'd love to hear it because I'm always wanting to test what my thoughts are on something with other information. That's not necessarily the angle that other people have. But I think part of part of our issues with news is the way that news is consumed, which is, you know, there is basic news. There is opinion there are original sources. Right. There are aggregation of those sources. And those, for us as consumers, we need to know, okay, is this opinion? Is this news? What is the original source for this? Is this actually real? Because, you know, people can take real information and then pitch it a different way and it looks like something different. So we have to be we have to be really on the edge of saying, okay, is this real? Is this real? Because we're in an age where it's very yeah. easy for things not to be real and that there are are forces out there, domestic and foreign, who want us to have a view of the world mm -hmm. that may not comport with reality. Wow. Well, Steph, you know what? You should take the rest of the day off. You just killed it. You know what I'm saying? I want you to have a couple of margaritas, wander around the yard, because I oh, think you just kind of blew my mind. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That was uh, excellent analysis and, and something to ponder and something to think about. Now, Steph, I would be remiss if, with having a, a lawyer on the show if I didn't ask you this question. Now, I know you're not necessarily an expert in constitutional law, but I'd say you're read in and 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 way more no, um, I'm, I'm at, educated no, I'm on it than the average person here. Proud to say that I am a literal U.S. and Texas Constitution defender. That's I'm a professional at. Oh, excellent! Like, okay. That is my jam. Perfect. I love defending the Constitution. So. Okay, well then I have a question. I have a question because this has been bothering me with the whole people with with the whole thing about people freaking out about uh, uh, the Harris County yeah. judge ordering people to wear masks, right? And people have gone absolute ape shit about like it's some sort of violation of their freedoms and their constitutional rights that you dare dare require me to wear a mask in public. And what bothered me about it is I tried to think about it and I think, and tell me where I'm wrong here, that you actually have a better <laughs> argument constitutionally to say that it's wrong that the government makes you wear clothes at all than it is <laughs> to make you wear a mask. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're upset that, ma that making them wear a mask subject to penalties and fines and, and, and theoretically, you know, jail time even, 
But yet, don't you still face the same penalties if you were to walk out I in public butt-ass naked? visual, just generally, of everybody walking around butt-ass naked. But what is, the, what is the constitutional grounds for requiring people to wear clothes in public? Is it just community standards of uh, not wanting to see junk? I mean, is because I, the mask thing, that's for, that's for community health. That's public health. That's a... That's a real thing I can see that you, someone could argue the basis on this is why you have to wear a mask. Well, but why I does mean, someone have to I, wear I pants? Say that, you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pants, that is part of something that our government, you know, with legislature and governor actually enacted. I have to say I have some sympathy to those people who are concerned with government overreach because sometimes – Sometimes it's like, hey, this is fine if I agree with it, and then it's not fine if I don't agree with it. And you know, we, you know, these these right. are not easy issues because, like the novel coronavirus, these are novel issues. And some of the government overreach in mm-hmm. emergencies that have happened in the past in United States history are not cool. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I get why people. Yeah have concerns about these things but i also get the concerns with you know hey if you don't like this you just stay home and we'll just live our lives because this is something that we need to to kind of come together with and i think a lot of these issues are are not they really shouldn't be legal issues these shouldn't be legal issues these should be kind of you know, if, if you have to go to the court with some of these issues, then that's a failure. Like law is failure. Like if yeah. for most lawsuits and legal things, that is a failure that has happened, you know, before that's happened. You know, like that's a weird thing for a lawyer to say, but law li- lawsuits are failures. Yeah. I mean, I think at some point it's a communication difficulty. And, and, you know, for some people, it was just not going to be cool because they don't like the person who told them to do it. I mean, basic human nature thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's just, uh, I know we're, we're dancing around it. and We don't want to kick the ant mound. But if it was Judge Ed Emmett who put out the thing, says, I need y'all to wear masks. They'd be like, absolutely, sir. But That's the flip side duty. is there would be we are all about it. that might not want that, that just don't like him. I mean, I don't think we need to dance well, around right. it. I mean, the thing is, peop- the number one thing with all of this is people will always feel the way they feel. People feel the way they feel. They like who they like. They dislike who they like or dislike. So ultimately, with that as just basic human being stuff, where can you find where can you find agreement? Where can you find agreement? Where can you address people's fears? Because, you know, the people that are afraid, they're afraid for a reason. They've worked their whole lives for something and they're afraid. They're afraid that how long this is going to last, what's going to happen. And that's actually been, you know, I haven't written anything for the Chronicle since the debacle of the playoff game. Mostly because I have nothing good to say. <laughs> and I could write some things now, but I'm kind yeah, of right. blocked from the perspective of 
you know, like, you know, the whole, you know, are we going to have sports? Like, I'm concerned with all the friends that I have met over the years. I'm afraid for them. I'm afraid for them. I'm afraid for me. I mean, I'm afraid for all of us. So it's, you know, it's like, it, it just seems so small comparison to just the economic and the health issues for everyone. Cause it's not just death. Like death could happen. Right. Yeah, sure. It's, you know, you can get really, yeah, really yeah. sick. Like when I was sick with whatever my mystery virus is, which I'm pretty sure is coronavirus. You know, there were a few times I thought I might die. Damn. That's, that's, that's real. That yeah, is yeah, legit. Like, well, I mean, it was like, I'm not a great sleeper. I don't sleep very well. I was so exhausted. Like the sleep was like the kind of sleep that you have when you're dead. So it's like, ah, like, am I ever going to oh, get better? I keep on feeling worse. And then, of course, the news reports made it scarier. <laughs> Even, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. I, that point, just throw your TV in the yard. That tension that we all have. Like, you know, I want to know the news. I don't want to know the news. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's my, uh, I, I limit myself to the 30 minutes when I wake up in the morning before everyone else really comes down. I'll turn on the, you know, turn on the, the, the cable news and flip it up with channels just to kind of yeah. get the, what's today's numbers? Okay, those look horrible. Okay, here's the new thing. All right, as soon as I start to feel that no. rush of the falling down a well, I'm like, oh, chip, go, oh, let's go, go to HGTV. Out, let's go watch a, go outside let's go, let's go watch and a remodel bathroom. D. That's what I'm all about. Amen. Amen. So uh, just to surmise here, I think uh, uh, there's a better, would you agree or disagree that there's a better constitutional (laughs) argument that it's, that it's wrong to make you wear clothes and it is to make you wrong to make you wear a mask? Did you have, am I I onto something there? Probably some pretty good constitutional arguments (laughs) against it. Although you can have all the rights in the world, but if nobody is willing (laughs) to enforce those rights, Good luck for you. I mean, I think the better the better view is is kind of like private businesses are private businesses and can have you wear shirts and shoes mm-hmm. to go inside, and they can also have you yeah. wear masks to be protective of their employees the best that you okay. can. Because I mean, frankly, the best data says that the people that have been essential workers who have to engage with people in the public, they're having some of the worst death and illness situation so like if you actually care about the people in your grocery stores and your restaurants and your bus drivers and everyone wear a mask just to be polite just to be polite yeah wear a mask and no one's you know no one's requiring that you go out and make sure yeah. that you have the proper N95 mask that's rated for med- oh, it's saying, I just will say, a as someone who learned how to wear masks when my sister was sick you know the p- proper mask wearing is important like to have it so that it will stay on your face and like it hurts me to see people that are yeah. so uncomfortable with their masks they keep on touching their face to put it back into place that's, I mean, uh-huh. that's why I like the buffs. Now, you have to make sure you put the buffs <laughs> up high enough that it goes over your ears or up by your ears so it doesn't want to come back down. But mm-hmm. 
you know, you have, if, if you're going to be mask wearing, wear one that you can wear appropriately, where if you're adjusting it, you're adjusting it on the sides and you're not touching your face. That is smart. And that's good advice. Hey, Steph, I uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast yes. today. Uh, uh, my final <laughs> question is I think we need, we need to have some fun here. Okay. <laughs> this has been a great conversation, by the way. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, amazing information, amazing insight. I think it was uh, uh, very helpful and, you know, honestly reassuring. I, I like it. I like you have a, you have a good sense of, of, uh, of like just civics, you know what I mean? Like of, of just good well, stewardship of, of our culture. And I like that about you, but let's talk about <laughs> if it all went to shit. Uh, let's say <laughs> that Let's say that worst case scenario, this just devolves into a full blown Walking Dead, Mad Max, uh, dystopian society. Um, you find yourself after months of wandering the hinterlands, foraging for uh, supplies and assets, and you find yourself at the 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 walled gates of the local warlord. What could you do? What job? What skill set do you bring to? to to serve lord humongous what can you do that would get you in the group and and uh and and survive and fed what would what would be well, your you role know, if, if we're in that, mix, that new mad max society metaphors and, and programs uh i i think that my best asset is kind of like um game of thrones and being the hand you know like like, you know, I was trying to think of like, oh, okay. what do I do the best? And the best thing I do is not to be the person who's leading stuff. I'm just the person who, no matter what's happening, whatever the crisis is, I'm the chill person who tells you what to do when all of your, all, all of your options are terrible. Like you have a bunch of terrible options. I will tell you the best option. Now I would not be like Tyrion. Yeah. The best way to get out of, of it. Turn- into an now, idiot in the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones, like that's not the kind of hand that I want to be. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I I like to be the chill person, and it's, oh. and with that, like on on, I have I have a personal blog where I've been putting various things that are helpful to people to know, and I have a pin tweet that has a bunch of that stuff, and I'm going to be writing more of that stuff because I'm not a billionaire. I can't just give money to people because I don't have that. But what I, but what I, I'm trying to do is yeah, right. I'm Who does? decent at blogging and explaining things. So I've been writing things on my personal blog that I think would be helpful for people to know at this particular moment in time. And I'm going to continue to do that because, you know, I, I like one of the most popular things on my blog is how to reduce your property taxes, like how to actually appeal them in Harris County. And it makes me so happy to hear when people go, you know, I didn't even know that you wrote that and I found it and I saved all this money. And I'm like, yes, yes. That's cool. <laughs> so I like it. I like your, um, I like your perspective and, and to the listeners, you need to go check out our Twitter at Steph Stradley and to get all that information and very, very useful. And I'm going to check it out as soon as, I get, as soon as we well, get done here, I'm going to go check it out. I need to do that. Things, those things as well, but who are in the greater Houston area. Yeah. That's right. For my Harris County people get on that uh, immediately. I would say of all the people I've had on the podcast, I think you're like the third one. 
who went with the idea oh, yeah. of being a special advisor well, to have... the warlord. That's very clever. That's clever. That's making yourself indispensable no to the like to the, the chief executive. The new, the new order, I would I would die. I'm not big. I'm not <laughs> fast. I'm very slow. I can't fix stuff. Um, I'm not very good at cleaning up things. I would be. I I have no special skills. Yeah. Go away. Put the cereal down. <laughs> you hear that? Yeah. I love it. That's live action parenting going on in the Wesleyan house. Go say, away. Put that down. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, this is my life. And hearing that, I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I picked the perfect time. Be in the lockdown. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, we've got uh, we got four in our house. It's uh, uh, thirteen, about to turn ten, well, seven, and four. For, so I feel bad yeah, for my college student who had to come home. Madness. He's like, oh yeah, I'm having my sophomore year, and I'm doing all these great things in global pandemic. That's that's such a buzzkill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I feel bad for my friends like you oh, who have yeah. to pay for that uh, expensive college when they're home. For half a semester, you're like, wow, you know, oh, San Jack would have been just as, just as the exact same I educational experience, but yet five percent the cost. His rent, like we we actually we actually like said, hey, you know, are you gonna do any kind of like rent abatement, you know, to be a cool person? And then the landlord's like, no. Dang, just like just set this money on no. fire. <laughs> My thanks again to today's guest, Steph Stradley. You can find her on Twitter at Steph Stradley. That's S-T-E-P-H-S-T-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Glad I got that right the first time. Steph Stradley. <laughs> Steph Stradley, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, I, I don't feel like I got a satisfactory answer to my constitutional question on whether or not it's actually a better argument that they have no right to make you wear clothes than they do to make you wear a mask. Um, If anyone else out there has an opinion on the matter, I'd love to hear that. I know uh, several other lawyers, uh, plus a lot of people that have their law degree from Facebook.com that would like to chime in on that. Hit me up on Twitter, at John Wessling, J-O-H-N-W-E-S-S-L-I-N-G, or the show's Twitter, after later, A-F-T-E-R-L, number eight, letter E-R, the show's Facebook fan page is After Later Podcast, and my personal comedy one is John Wessling Official. Also, still looking for guests. Um, if you're an interesting, unique person or know someone who is, you think it'd be a good interview on the show, send them my way. Now, today, this was like uh, this was like eating our vegetables, okay? This was a, a, an episode where we kind of had to you know, talk about some real stuff, a little bit more of a measured tone. I think I only said bad words maybe two or three times. Just to keep it honest, you know, I can tell that it made it a little un- uncomfortable. So I, I apologize, Steph, for, for saying the F word and the S word. I didn't say the B word, I don't think. But anyway, I get them all in eventually. Uh, so uh, tomorrow we're going to go back to our comedy roots a little bit. And I'm going to have um, a very, very funny young man named Grady Pruitt on the show. If you don't know Grady Pruitt yet, uh, you will soon. A very, very funny kid. Rising star in this business. By that, I mean the Uber Eats delivery business. He'll tell you all about it tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be a fun one. So it'll be a little, little less informative, uh, a little less um, you know, thought-provoking. But hey, hey, I say that, but it could be. He's a, he's a smart young man as well. So tomorrow, Grady Pruitt uh, on the program. And then Friday, uh, Billy D. Washington is going to be my guest. One of my oldest friends in comedy. This guy is a, a, a 
brilliant, brilliant creator. And he's got a new project that I'd like to uh, turn you on to. Uh, he's doing something very, very interesting with his time in quarantine. He's not rushing out to stream like everybody else. You know, it was hard to get him on the podcast, honestly. Uh, but he's doing something that's uh, very, very creative. I'll let him, you tell. I'll let him tell you all about it on Friday. Of course, as a reminder, a uh, new deal that we have. If you want to uh, sponsor the Afterlater podcast, um, offering live reads and commercials for people at the different sponsor levels, go to anchor.fm slash afterlater and uh, you go to the support thing, whatever you throw in. Uh, then we'll, what are you doing, boy? You're trying to turn that on? Okay, my, my, my two youngest have invaded the studio area here. Yeah, they could tell I was working, but they don't care. I want to come see the light. Ooh, turn on the lamp. Now you want to turn it off? Can't do it. Can't do it. I got it. I got it, buddy. I got it. Don't break it. There you go. Good job. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, thank you for stopping by. <laughs> that worked. They left. I can't believe that worked. It's a strong parent move. Thanks for stopping by. Oh, now the other one. Now, child number two is coming by. If you're going to be here, Carlin, you got to scratch my back while I finish this, this liner. There you go. That's a good kid. Oh, it's the best part of having kids. Scratching the back. Get in there. Don't be shy, kid. Don't be shy. Dig in. Dig in. So anyway, like I was saying, uh, Scott Henry, the first sponsor of the uh, After Layer podcast. I said this yesterday, but this is what he wanted me to, to, to read. Is He says, uh, where to go? Where to go? Dang it. Oh, yeah. He wants to tell everybody to watch the documentary Unacknowledged. It's the most valid and believable and trustworthy documentary on the subject of UFOs. That will get everybody talking. Thank you for thinking of me. Uh, I looked it up. Unacknowledged is available on Netflix. You more than likely have it. Uh, if you're on Earth right now, you probably have Netflix. Uh, so watch Unacknowledged. I have not watched it yet. My plan is to watch it over the next few days, maybe over the weekend, then have Scott Henry on as a guest on Monday, and we'll talk about it. We'll get all deep into the UFO conspiracy. At this point, I'm like, UFOs, if you're out there, just show up. We're ready. We are ready right now. Just pull up to the lawn of the White House, hop out, have a chat. Uh, let's let, let's let's move on to the next uh, chapter in human history. When that this, this, this the time is right, I think we're all ready for it. You know, that'll get fuckers to wear a mask. <laughs> but anyway, um, so anyway, yeah. So Scott Henry wants you to watch Unacknowledged. If you sponsor the show, I will read any ad that you want me to. Okay. I am, I am your word whore, and I'm here to, to please, okay? I'm going to regret saying that. I can already tell. So that's our broadcast for the day. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening to uh, After Later. Spread the word. Share it with others. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated. Until next time, I'm John Wessling. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Everybody say bye. Bye. Okay, good. That was good enough. Bye.